Hello everyone and welcome to the MoPod, brought to you by MoDate, where we discuss everything Mo, from modern orthodoxy to my opinions and more. I'm your host Evan Harris and we have a great guest for you today. Let's get to it. Today we're sitting down with Judah Eisman. How are you, Judah? I'm doing well. Thanks, Evan. All right, great to hear. Before we get started diving into your background, I just want to know, what does the word religious mean to you? Oh, great question. Um, wow. Uh, very loaded. Uh, I'd say it's just someone who's committed to a certain set of beliefs. Okay, cool. So let's dive into where you're from. Where'd you go to school? What's the, what are the basic facts? Um, where I'm from, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Went to the Melvin J. Bourbon Hebrew Academy. Um, for 12 years. And uh, after that, I went to Yeshiva for uh, Gush for a couple of years, and I went to University of Maryland um, for undergrad, and then Technium for medical school. Okay. And so would you say you grew up like classic modern Orthodox? Uh, pretty classically modern Orthodox, as much as you can get. My family is a bit associated with the open Orthodox movement, I guess you would say. But that's through uh, familial ties. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so you mentioned that you went to Gush for a couple of years and then decided to go to Maryland. Yeah. So what was that decision like? Was there ever a point where you were, well, you're from Maryland, so it might've been a kind of easy decision at the onset, but was there ever a point where you wanted to switch schools? Well, I wanted to switch schools. Sure. I mean, certainly at Maryland, there was a point where I thought about switching schools, but also before, I mean, I do remember the day in Yeshiva that one of my rabbis, like, whatever, wanted to talk. Um, and he was, like, very blunt. And he said, why are you going to Maryland, Judah? And I said, well, first of all, it's free. Um, for me, it was free because my father works there. Um, and also because YU doesn't offer a classical education. Like, I, I, st- I majored in, in Greek and Latin literature. And that wasn't available at, at YU. I didn't get into Columbia. Um, and there was no reason to look at other schools. Once I got into University of Maryland, it was about combination of it being free and decent enough liberal arts education was uh, gotcha okay that makes sense and so when you actually got to maryland did you have kind of a culture shock or was there anything that happened that made you think like i made the wrong decision uh anything that happened made me think i made the wrong sure i mean every single person who kind of flips out a bit in, in yeshiva or becomes more religious has uh coming to as a coming to moment where they think, uh, I should probably, I need to make Aliyah join the army. And they were, I mean, I can tell you a story. My first week in Maryland, um, I was, uh, I spent the whole week kind of learning by myself in the base. Very, very disheartening. Um, and then Friday night came, I ate, uh, I ate the Hillel, uh, with a few people. I went to the base and learned by myself for a few hours. Um, and 10 30 comes. And so I walk, ho- I walk home. Um, to go to sleep and I walk into my apartment building it's called Knox Towers um, and it was an off-campus apartment building um, it was known to be a bit rowdy I walk in I could like see the smoke line on top of it uh, on the ceiling and I was like oh my goodness I should not be here um, and I walk I'm walking up the stairs I was on the fifth floor like I can hear like all the parties around me I got out into the fifth floor and like there's a naked guy running right at me <laughs> in the corridor, um, like completely naked, like screaming, like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lost that beer pong. And I nearly like ran down the stairs and ran back to Israel. 
um, because I was so <laughs> in shock. Whatever. Um, I was so in shock. Uh, and that's, that's usually the story I tell when people ask me about it. Those moments happened less and less frequently, but uh, they happen they happened all the time at Maryland. Gotcha. And so yeah. that was when you were a freshman, obviously. But as time went on, did you find yourself kind of becoming influenced by your environment at all? Like how how did you change? Did you change from a freshman to your senior year? Religiously? Sure, certainly. That's a great question. I mean, listen, naturally, unless you're not associated with a community in any way, whenever you enter an environment, you're going to be pulled towards the middle of it. Um, and I certainly was. I mean, and it's, I can tell a similar story as well. But when, on my second Shabbat, I was invited out and I went to, uh, I went to uh, a meal and like they had shots and it was me and other freshmen there. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not drinking any of this. Um, and then by my junior year, I remember I visited a friend of mine at Columbia um, and he was uh, and he asked me how much I drank. And I was like, oh, you know, I have like two or three beers over a weekend over a shot. And he was like, whoa, T- uh, sorry, two to five beers. It was like two to five beers. And I was like, yeah, it's like nothing. Um, and for me, that was nothing. Was yeah. Two to five beers. I watched people drink two to five beers before like davening at Hillel after they already showed up drunk. Um, uh, it was nothing. So the perspective for you always becomes, the perspective is always important because your perspective, I mean, that's not necessarily religious, but your perspective will always be influenced by the people around you. In the same way that if I go to a certain community that demands that everyone um, where has a certain dress code, I'll, I'll be influenced by that, even though if I don't have that dress code, I'll think that that's more likely how you're supposed to dress and I'll end up dressing that way. Or if in the same way, if I go to a community that's more relaxed, that everyone eats eats out uh, eats out dairy. I may not end up eating out dairy, but I'll be more inclined to uh, recognize those positions. For sure. I mean, I think that you definitely compare yourself to the people that you're around, and then when you're exposed to other people, it kind of changes your whole worldview. Uh, so let's do a little timeline here. So, what year did you graduate, Maryland, and when did you end up making Aliyah? I graduated in Maryland in 2018. Um, I made Aliyah a few months ago. Gotcha. So what was um, the mi- what was the part in the middle there? Um, I was a medical student. Uh, for the first part, I was like in limbo for uh, whatever. Uh, I was like learning the baby drush, uh, med student, and then full med student, and yeah. And so, where did you go to medical school? Uh, in Israel, Technion. And so how did you decide to go to medical school in Israel? How did you make that decision? Sure. Um, wow. Great interview question. Uh, <laughs> great residency interview question. Uh, a couple of reasons why. One of them was my grades were borderline. I wasn't sure if I'd be able, immediately accepted into a medical school in America, like a lot of the people who go. And so I didn't want to risk it. I just went and I got accepted. So I went uh, I did not, and I didn't have to wait a whole cycle and then try my luck. So I just went. Um, in addition, uh, they had a unique program there that I, that I liked, um, where you split your first year, you split, uh, you split your years in two and you studied medical halacha and and medicine in conjunction, which I really, I want to continue afterwards, hopefully doing things like that. And so, um, to be able to do that already in the beginning was very, was a strong impetus for going to that program. 
Um, in addition, you know, I, I, I also wanted to make Aliyah um, when I was in Yeshiva, but I was a bit cynical of the perspective that I had while I was there um, because it's very easy to, to want to make Aliyah while you're in a closed environment where it's very easy to live. So I wanted to see if it was actually feasible for me to live in the country when uh, by myself, essentially. So I went to check it out as well. Gotcha. And I received your background information from our great Mopod guest booker, Mikey Pollock, who okay. you are friends with, I assume, from Maryland. Yeah, and, good friend, uh, a good friend. Very nice. And so I was wondering, I know that you are now currently married, yeah. but I think he told me that you met your wife while you were in Haifa. Is that correct? Um, yeah. So uh, how, did, how yeah. did that happen? How did I meet her? Yeah. Uh, you get a bunch of different stories depending on who you ask. Um, but I, I met her at a Sheva Brachot in, in Jerusalem and we drove up together and then we met a couple more times and then we went, we went on a few dates in the north of Israel. Gotcha. So were you worried when you were deciding to go to medical school in Israel that it would kind of hurt your dating prospects at all? Was that something that, that even came to your mind? Um, it, first of all, I, I, I mean, no. Uh, the short answer is no, and then for two reasons. One, because I, it's not the way I was raised, and generally the perspective, my perspective on the things is your career is prioritized over uh, over your marriage prospects. So even though you may have certain people in your life, like your grandmother or an aunt, saying, "Oh, you know, this person's married, that person's married," it shouldn't matter because it, and it really doesn't um, because certain things are prioritized over that. Um, and that's kind of how I was raised to that degree. That uh, it's kind of how I was raised that there are certain things that are prioritized. Not not that you shouldn't get married. Not that it's not important. But if you have a career opportunity, that's what you pri- um, uh, If you have a career opportunity, sometimes you'll sacrifice your marriage prospects for that career opportunity. Instead, I got to Israel. People wanted to were starting to set me up or trying to set me up. Um, it's just how it is. Gotcha. And I was never worried. Okay, I mean, well, that's good. Do you still believe the career prospects philosophy? Um, what is what does it mean believing? Uh, uh, I mean, I I mean, I know some people are probably. I live on the Upper West Side. I know some people people probably live on the Upper West Side, and maybe they don't necessarily have to, or maybe they have opportunities in other states or things like that, but they try their best to stay on the Upper West Side because that's where they think they could find their future spouse. And do you think that this is a bad decision? Let's give a specific example. Let's say someone got into a school outside of New York that's better than the school they got into in New York, but, but they decide to stay in New York because that's where the Jewish community is bigger and more likely to find someone. What are your thoughts on that? It depends what's healthiest for them. I mean, some people can, some people are not, some people are like, how do you say this properly? Uh, some people have the skills and natural desire to, to move out of certain areas and some people don't. If what's healthiest for you and what you feel is most comfortable is to stay in a certain area and you feel like you can, uh, you feel like you also have certain goals that are accomplished in a certain area, then it's up to you. Uh, to st- then you should stay in that area. If you feel like you don't need that, then you shouldn't. It's completely up to the person. Whether or not it's a good philosophy isn't, isn't like, is up to them. 
Okay, it's, it's it's a lukewarm take over there. We're trying to get some, it, some some controversy over here. You're... It's it's not a. I mean, it's not a take as much as it's the reason I took that perspective is because that's how I was raised, and that that was up to me. That was up to me. In the same way that I would like, I would never have wanted to move. I'd never want to really move to New York um, if I got a job there. That was a great job. I maybe I would move there, but I, I don't really want to. But I would do it um but gotcha. that, why I, that's just up to me why did you never really want to move to new york um for a few reasons i never i don't really like uh, i don't know how to say this without offending people uh i've learned that a lot of people surprisingly listen to these podcasts i'll say the safest of the things which is sometimes i think the religiosity can get dull there because you you don't realize and and your life can get dull there because you don't realize um, the way in which you don't realize that the things that are available to you aren't available everywhere. You don't realize that they've allowed for a certain, they, they've allowed for a certain comfort in life, which decreases the drive that you have and the opportunity for you to want to do more. Um, and so when you live in those areas and the communities, you do it out of safety. And I didn't really want to live that, live in that way. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's but, offensive. I, I think it definitely, uh, yeah, there, there's some other reasons. But, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I've learned I, a lot of people listen to these. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that reason's offensive at all. I think it makes sense. I think that it kind of applies mm-hmm. to careers also. I mean, obviously, you know, you're going into medicine and so it's not, maybe not the same as the business world, but there's this whole idea of wanting to be wanting to work for a startup or wanting to work for a big company. And there are two different types of people. There are people who love the idea of working for a startup, playing a lot of different roles and being able to contribute in many different ways. And there are people that like the safety of a big company, like the idea of contributing, like mastering their role in the big company, like like carving out a specific skill set. So it's kind of the same thing in the sense that you could either be the from guy at Maryland and have that drive that extra drive you might obviously maryland has a pretty like large from community but you know not yeah. not not as big as new york but it's, it's just i'd say maryland is the largest orthodox on-campus community out of any, much, I, large, much larger than any college in new york certainly for shopping uh what if you combine the downtown community as if you just make that one one college yeah it's uh, kind of what it is well, like NYU, I don't know what else is downtown. NYU, Baruch, Cooper Union. They all stay on campus for Shabbos? Yeah, a lot of people do, yeah. Yeah, it's like over 500? If you combine both the Hill and the Chabad, I would guess so, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, so yeah, definitely Maryland's up there. But as you said, there's also like this huge party culture, which you're exposed to. And so I, I hear I hear the logic. So where do you live now in Israel? I live in Haifa. So um, why why Haifa? Because that's where the, that's where the school is. You're still in medical um, school, okay? Yeah, the I mean, listen, I I'm all in on Haifa. I love the area, um, and if I could find a couple of friends with, to move with me, I may move there. Um, but the um, the medical school is in this little town called Batgalim, in Haifa, like a little community in in Haifa, and it's on the beach. Um, and it's, and it's a great area, great community. Um, there's there's no reason and it's very it's cheap enough that there's really no reason incentive to move out of it gotcha and so 
going to medical school in Israel. Well, you made Aliyah. So why, why did you decide to actually make that move and make it official as opposed to kind of um, waiting out your medical school? Because that was, there were a couple of reasons. One, my son was born. So to get... Mazda. uh Thank you. Uh, to get... To claim him on my... To claim him as my son, you have to be an Israeli citizen. And I had a friend previously come into that problem where he wasn't able to claim his son. I like his daughter as his child. Um, and I didn't want to run into that problem. So I became a citizen. Um, and also... Uh, once I decided to do residency in Israel, that's when I realized I sh- that's when there was no reason to push off making Aliyah anymore. Gotcha. And what are the practical implications of being able to claim your child? What does that What does that actually mean? I, I mean, that's a great question. It means that not there aren't just like tax implications. It means they're in they're on your ID card in Israel. It means that um, I mean. In Israel, it actually has a couple more implications because if a child doesn't have a certain parent, then they can't marry certain people um, out of fear of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's a practical thing. Gotcha. And so just to dive into a totally different topic, Mikey did mention that you have had, either you have a podcast or you had a podcast in the past. So I just yeah. want to dive deeper into that. What was your podcast about? And... My podcast is called Mysteries of Batkali. Uh, what's it about? It's, it's about nothing. It's a shtick podcast. Um, nominally, it's about making Ali, moving to Israel and being in medical school. Those are the two main types of people that we have on. But also it's about whatever's on your mind, living your life. You know, some guy told a story about how he got high on Arab Young Gipper and couldn't make his flight, whatever. Uh, it was basically interviewing the people in our community or people associated with the med school to find out what uh, what it's like, what their experiences have been. Is that something you still do? Uh, it's it's been harder and harder with well, as I've built my family, uh, find carving out time to interview people for a podcast you're not wildly committed to is difficult. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a grind, especially when you have a guest centered podcast where you need yeah. where you need a new person every time. And it's difficult for me to talk by myself. I need someone to bounce that off. For sure. And so your religious journey, right? It took you from your community in Silver Spring, Maryland to the University of Maryland where things, well, really to Gush and then the University of Maryland and then to Haifa. What would you say were the biggest, besides the broader spectrum of Maryland, the biggest stumbling blocks along the way and what advice would you give to people that feel like they went to Israel for the year or two years and then they went to a secular college and everything their rabbis told them like kind of came true they find themselves less religious than they were even like at the end of their high school career and now they're just kind of searching for meaning oh uh, sure that's a, I mean that's a great question um, and that's a very that's a really hard question. I'm going to want to bounce it back with you as we as we go through it. Sure. Um, I'll I'll tell you what my rabbis told me when I asked them why um, how to remain religious at college. One of them told me. I mean, at Gush, there's a classic one. You ask the the two Roshi Yeshiva, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, Yehud Amital. Rav used to tell you to bring a Chumrah. Yehud Amital used to tell you to bring a Nigun. Um, that's that's like classical Gush. 
um, all the way back to the to the seventies. Uh, what I when I asked my rabbis, I asked a rabbi called Rav Mordechai Friedman, and he said, "Set a certain amount of time that you're going to learn every day, and learn that amount of time no matter what." So Erev Chag, you got test set, you got three three exams that day. Learn that no matter what. For me, I set that time as an hour in the beginning of my college in the beginning, um, and I learned that time at a time no matter what. Um, and for and another rabbi told me to go to Minion as often as possible three times a day, which is a bit easier in Maryland because the culture surrounds that. So um, so it's a bit easier, but I did that as well. That was that one was a bit easier just because it's built into the Jewish culture a bit more. Um, and so depending on where you are in the timeline, right, and you're hearing this, uh, if you're getting into college and you're worried about remaining religious, um, that's one a couple of things you can do that, that worked for me, especially at Maryland. Um, the other one is to set certain standards for yourself and don't break them under, under no circumstances, no matter how much of like a douche you look like, no, no matter how much people get angry at you or they think you're being sanctimonious, to not break those standards. And there were a couple that I, I just didn't break, uh, no matter what. Um, and it may have seemed weird, it may have seemed uncomfortable, it may have been uncomfortable, but you, you can't break those standards. Uh, now, if you're already past that point um, and you're post-college and you're looking for meaning, it's a bit harder because it means you don't find meaning in all those things that religion has classically provided you. Um, I mean, Jew the Jewish religion for years and years has, has maintained that learning Torah and doing mitzvot um, and more recently, like singing songs has been added to those things and uh, attending those events. Um, and if you don't find meaning in those, and if you don't find meaning in like learning Torah, even learning, learning Tanakh, learning, learning Gemara, or, or any of the you know, things that have followed, and you don't find meaning in the, spiritu the spirituality of singing songs, hearing the Torah, approaching those things, then it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to provide other things within Judaism. That's the structure Judaism has kind of provided you. Um, and if you want to be more religious, or if you're looking to be more religious, go to those things. Um, I I also remember my father told me before I went to college as well. Before I went to college, um, I didn't ask him. He just told me. Um, he, he said you will find time for the things you want to find time for. If you want to make sure you learn for three hours a day, that is what, and you prioritize that, that's what you will do. If you want to, if you want to make sure you will get married and you prioritize that, and that, I mean, I, I say that in all humility because I know it's, there are some people who act, who struggle with that um, and who struggle with getting married. Um, but I'm just saying, if you want to get married, that is what, and you, and you donate, you, de you designate all your time to that or the time that you, need for that, that is what you'll do. If you, if you want to get an A every single class and that is what you designate your time for, above all else, that's, then that's what it's important to you. But the time that if you want, if you're post-college now and you're having a hard time finding meaning, uh, religiosity, you want to become more religious and you designate your time towards it, that is what is, that, I feel like that's what's most helpful for you. Um, if it's a Saturday night and you can be skimming YouTube or you can go to a shir, you can look up something on the parsha, that's, that's you donating your time. If it means waking up an hour early to daven, as opposed to uh, like davening a couple things and putting on fill in after, putting on fill in when you get back from work or whatever, or 
happening like that time that you designate towards those actions will be meaningful and so if you have difficulty finding meaning and you want to find it within, within the structure of judaism i think that's the that's the that's the advice i would give you or that's the best you're going to get um yeah for sure i mean your time towards it I totally agree on the priorities point that, that your father told you. And I think that obviously all of these things, like there is, there is still a chance it doesn't work. You know, like you said, with marriage, you could put in all the time in the world and someone could put in no effort at all. And that person could still find someone before you do, but his matters. Like it's not, it's not all luck. It's nothing. None of this is all luck studying and working towards becoming more religious. It's not all, just happenstance not everyone will have that one moment or just the thing that happens without any effort whatsoever i mean it's that's great if it does if something great happens to you without you putting any effort that's phenomenal but it's usually not the case yeah marriage is a bit more complicated because it involves someone else and you're always dealing with yeah a back and forth but things that are completely reliant upon you your time is the most important thing i think for sure so you figured out about yourself that you are the type of person who likes to be religious in a community where there is less religion and kind of shine in in not in the in the biggest spotlight shine exist okay exist and not in the biggest spotlight and so i'm wondering would you ever consider moving to your shalim is my first question and yeah. my second question is what advice would you give to someone who who doesn't know what kind of person they are because they grew up in the bubble let's say and they kind of are just are just jaded and they feel like they are they need in, like an eat pray love yeah how do you how do you get there i, I mean how do you find out who you are oh, yeah I your dad. Nah, I it's not exactly how you find out money. who you are yeah um yeah uh, I guess I'll answer your first question first, Evan. Um, certainly, there's a time we I consider moving to Yerushalayim. Everyone does. I mean, it's whatever. It's Yerushalayim. A ton of my friends live there. I wouldn't have to work hard to meet new friends. I wouldn't have to work hard to find a shul, to find minyanim. Um, yeah. Uh, but I will say, like, I move. Like, my my wife and I were considering it. We went to Yerushalayim for a Sunday. And like there was a ton of traffic getting in there. It was like really difficult to get around. And then like we ran into a Haredi riot as we we're getting there. And so all the traffic stopped. And like we walked and we like walked through this Haredi riot. Uh, they were, I don't know, protest, sorry, protest. I don't know what they were, pro- like the weirdest thing is we got to the place that we wanted to get. And we were like, what is going on in this city? And, and then we like started looking at the, the prices on the rent and like we're used to like a thousand shekel a room that's how much it is that's like what the price is like three rooms three thousand something shekel five rooms five thousand and we're like looking at your line and it's like three rooms sixty five hundred shekel and we're like what is going on in the city and then we're like is it worth it to move here because like a few of our friends like a, a bit more of our friends live here and there's like more kosher food um, and like there's some better Minyanin times. It was like literally the same exact thoughts I was having when I thought about moving to New York. Like, is it worth it to move to the city that like the city itself like kind of sucks, the people in it hard to deal with. And like for like, and the rent is super high for like a couple more people, a few more people that I know and like some better kosher food. I don't really think so. Um, so that was kind of the, 
uh, cynical perspective on moving to Yerushalayim. Um, your second question, I've already forgotten. I apologize. Uh, I think it was a deeper question of how do you, how do you find out who you are if you haven't experienced both types of experiences? I don't know, you, I don't know man. How do you find out who you are? Uh, we're all dealing with that journey. Um, you, you, you learn, you learn by going where you have to go. Uh, you, you kind of learn by going, by do, living life what you have to do. If you think, hey, you know, I might enjoy, enjoy not living in New York, you move somewhere else. And then if you don't enjoy it, you move back to New York. Um, I will say one of the things I learned about moving to Israel is that it's kind of never too late, especially in your early 20s and 30s, to like change what you want to do. Um, if you do something and you don't like it, you can change. I mean, I think I've, had, I've already had friends who've kind of changed their career path. It's okay. Um, it doesn't mean like you failed at your previous career path. It just means that you didn't like it. Um, and usually added experience from a different field only makes you better in the field that you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so changing, changing your career path now in your 20s or 30s or changing your life changing your life perspective doesn't mean that you failed at the previous one or that you didn't like it. It just means that you're trying something new. And if you don't like that new one, go back. It's not the biggest deal. You already have the experience built up from it. That's talking about career. And also like, let's say I live in New York and like, I don't like it as much. I'm kind of, I feel kind of dead. Move to Philly for, uh, move to Philly or like move to, uh, move to DC for a year or two. And I really hate it. I can move back to New York because I still have friends there. Yeah. Um, still, I still have like, an ability to get an apartment probably wouldn't be too hard to find a job. Like just because you don't like it in, in DC doesn't mean that it's impossible to move again. All right. Definitely makes sense. And some wise words. So we're going to move on to our segment, the Mopod lightning round, where I'm just going to fire off some quick questions. And you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Shout out lightning round. Let's go. What is your favorite restaurant in Israel? Uh, this, um, Permanent pizza. Okay. What is your favorite podcast? Uh, <laughs> Uh, probably part of my take podcast. Oh, okay. Me too. How many, but, it, but it's explicit. So I skipped the curse words. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many pairs of sunglasses do you own? Uh, just one. They keep on breaking. Uh, so you got to Okay. Maybe get more. Do you have more t-shirts <laughs> or undershirts? Uh, undershirts. I stopped wearing t-shirts when I got left Shiva. Gotcha. You have to play basketball. Okay. What is the least important meal of the day? Breakfast. Skip it every day. Yeah. Okay. Very true. Good answer so far. Do do aliens exist? I couldn't care less. Okay. And what is your favorite book of all time? Uh, my favorite book of all time. Oh shoot! I know this one. Uh, um, I usually have movie ready. Uh, my favorite book of all time is probably still the 2001 Baseball Almanac from Bill James. Okay. Thank you, Judah Osmond, for coming on the Mopod. Anything else you want our listeners to know before we sign off? Um, no, I'm good. Thanks, okay. Evan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, pump the volume.